Welcome back to another episode of the Cheap Property Spain podcast. Today's episode is all about mortgages. I've gotten loads of questions over the years about how to get a mortgage in Spain. So I decided to ask an expert. I sat down with Rob Govier of MHI Group, an international mortgage brokerage with offices all over the world. Rob is an international mortgage veteran with over 30 years of experience. He's based in London, but knows the Spanish mortgage process in and out. We cover everything today that you need to know about how to get a mortgage for a home in Spain, from the documents you need, how to apply, the amount of loan you might qualify for, how home valuations work, and so much more. Enjoy. Rob, thanks again for you know coming today, and just love to start off, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm, my name's uh, Rob Govier. I'm uh, one of the directors of the MHI Group. We are a um, international mortgage brokerage. Uh, we're based in the UK and Spain. Um, personally, I've been in the finance market for over 30 years, um, 16 of those within the Spanish mortgage market. Um, so obviously bring with me a huge uh, array of experience um, of both uh Spanish markets and other international markets as well. Um, but Spain is our uh, one of our core markets. Um, obviously, it's always a, a hugely popular place to uh, be buying property. Yeah, of course. So so you guys do lending and brokerage for not just Spain, though, for all over the world. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Our, our core markets, as they do tend to be uh, Spain, France, Italy, Portugal, the UK. Um, but we do have inquiries and wherever possible, we would assist in other countries, but they tend to be our core markets, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Of course. So do you make it over to Spain much? Uh, not often enough, unfortunately, but I do get uh, my uh, one of my co-directors who is based in Spain sends me lovely images on uh, social media of him normally enjoying quite a nice beer with a, uh, a Mediterranean backdrop. You know the sort. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I don't think you should be friends with him anymore. He well, terrible. really, I shouldn't, but I've known him for a uh, best part of 30 years so uh, I, I probably should uh, yeah <laughs> hard one to shake yeah. it is indeed <laughs> um so well well great well let's zoom in a little bit on spain specifically sure. and i'd love to just get an idea of you know a general overview how does the mortgage process work in spain for for an expat mainly you know someone who maybe doesn't uh, live full time in spain yet or sure. or all their income is derived from you know another country of some sure kind. okay so we'll, we'll keep it simple and classify them as a, a non-resident buyer um so um depends on where the client comes from so as a rough guide um if they're from a country within the eu um the lenders will then typically up to 70% of the purchase price or valuation, whichever is the lower. If they're from a non-EU country, um, so obviously USA, UK would be uh, two countries that instantly spring to mind, um, then they generally then 60% of the purchase price or valuation. Now, that's a general guide. There are exceptions to that, as there always are. So we, because we deal with every bank uh, in Spain, then of course we have to generalize to a large extent, but that's a, a rough guide that um, in terms of the percentage that you can borrow. In terms of how they assess you in the process, um, it's fairly straightforward. Um, they will ask for various documents. Um, so let's take, and they're different scenarios. So they will obviously need, first of all, proof of income. So that could be for employees, pay slips. Um, if you're self-employed or a, a director of a company, for example, they're normally required tax returns from the country where you generate your income. Um, they also need to see uh, proof that money hit in your bank account. So they normally need to see personal bank statements 
And if you have a business, they'll also need to see business bank statements. Then the proof of who you are, so that would typically be a copy of a passport. Um, they'll also need to see your um, credit report um, wherever available, not available in every country, but most countries you have to uh, provide a credit report. Um, and that's obviously from a lender's perspective to assess what information you have and, or what credit commitments you currently have, um, which will be in addition to any mortgage that you'll be taking out in Spain. Um, the final item that they need is, is proof of savings that you currently have. So they're the fairly standard uh, basic requirements. Certain lenders will always ask for additional information, but that tends to be the core uh, information that lenders will require. Um, what the lenders then do is they lend based on what we call affordability. Okay, so very simply how that works is they look at what income you have coming in. Um, they look at what credit commitments you currently have going out. So that could typically be, for example, a mortgage, uh, loan, uh, credit cards, car finance, how I purchase, etc. Um, and basically what they do is they look at what you have coming in, uh, what what's going out in, if you like, in your main residence typically. And then they then combine that with your proposed mortgage that you wish to take out in Spain and providing you fit within their calculation, um, you will then be approved for the mortgage. Now, um, what I would say at that point is that each lender has their own calculation. Some are uh, more generous than others. Um, and also sometimes depend on the country where you come from. Um, so, for example, if you come from uh, one of the countries in the EU bloc, they don't have to allow for currency fluctuations because, of course, normally the client would be paid in euros. The mortgage in Spain would, of course, be in euros. So there's not that fluctuation. Clearly, if you're coming from, I don't know, the UK, for example, they have to factor in that, of course, sterling can fluctuate. Therefore, that's that's something that they will build in a bit of margin for. So it's not a straightforward yes every lender does it this way they all have that's the formula but as i say in terms of the percentages that will vary from one lender to another um and that's really how the process works once that's all been approved it's always going to be subject to a satisfactory valuation of the property so they will employ an independent valuation company to visit the property and providing that all comes back okay then of course the mortgage would then be issued on the terms that you require an exception to that, uh, for example, would be if the property is valued at a lower figure than the price that you've agreed, because as I mentioned to you a moment ago, they will lend up to 70% of the purchase price or valuation, whichever is the lower figure. Um, but as I say, assuming everything comes back on the valuation okay, then the mortgage offer is issued, and that's the process, really. Okay, wow. Yeah, great. So, of course, it depends on so many factors, like like you mentioned, whether your income is derived from an EU country versus, you know, somewhere like the UK or the US where, yeah. you know, you're paid in pounds or dollars or, or right. you're not part of the, the member block. Mm. Um, so a lot of personal factors to consider, right? Right. Um, and then how does the the process change when, depending on like property type, right? So you mentioned like the loan up to 70%. Sure. Is that across the board or how does that change if I'm looking at an apartment versus a single family home versus like, one of these beautiful rustic Galician estates. Yeah, okay, fairly straightforward answer to that. Um, properties are classified in Spain. So what they um, put in English, it would be what we call urban property or urbanista is the actual Spanish phrase. So that would be your, your, your fairly normal apartment or villa, etc., etc. 
um, and they will be, as I said, up to those percentages that I've disclosed. Um, if, however, the property is on what we call rustica, um, so that would typically be what we would know as a, a farmhouse or a finca, as it's known in Spain. Um, quite often, the lenders will do one of two things. They may not lend on them full stop, or they may reduce the lending to a lower level. So they may, for example, only lend 50% on those types of property. Um, so that there's a big difference. So it's very important if you're looking at buying a property, you establish with the agent that you're perhaps buying, hoping to buy the property through what the property is classified as. So they tend to be the, the, the fairly standard ones. There are some other exceptions to that, but I won't go into too much detail. They tend to be the main ones. Most people will either buy uh, a fairly straightforward uh, villa, apartment, townhouse, which is on urban land, um, but it's those clients who perhaps are looking for something in a bit more inland, typically, uh, which uh, there may be issues. Um, but again, uh, very straightforward for us to find, find that information out. Once we have that, then we can know which lenders will consider it and which lenders won't consider it, and obviously the percentages that they may consider on that type of property. Okay, that makes sense. So do you recommend um, buyers find a property first or or come to you first to get okay. like a pre-approval? The answer would obviously be to come to me first, but there's actually a, a genuine reason. Um, you get a lot of uh, people who may arrive on a plane, typically, um, and look at properties and think, I'm sure I'll be fine for the mortgage. Don't see any problems. I have good income. These are fairly standard comments that you might get from somebody. Um, but they don't understand the process or the the way that lenders assess you. Um, so quite often, um, you will get a situation where somebody may have reserved the property, put down a holding deposit, which is fairly standard, only to then go along to a bank and find out, actually, no, they've not been approved for the mortgage. Um, so quite often we might get involved at that point. And again, sometimes we can help, sometimes we can't. Um, but that's the reason why we say, look, whatever you do, just make sure you can get the money first because it doesn't cost you anything to do that. So we always recommend what we call an agreement in principle. So we will basically do our own uh, initial underwriting, if you like, uh, and make sure that we feel it's going to fit. Um, we'll then approach a, a bank um, to who we feel is most likely, who, who at that moment in time may have the best rates for that particular client as well, um, to get an agreement in principle. So prior to going out and visiting properties, get the mortgage agreed. So if you then do uh, come over to Spain, find a property that you wish to buy, you have the sort of safety, if you like, that yes, I know I'm good for the money. Obviously, again, subject to satisfactory valuation, okay, but you're approved, if you like. Um, so it's only then down to the property being signed off if you like by the bank so always 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 get it agreed prior to any visit um seen too many people um let down over the years and quite often um those deposits can be non-refundable so they may have paid a sizable amount of money uh, in terms of taking the property off the market it's lost and it would have taken them not a great deal of time for them to afford the required information to us we could have got it agreed and so you know, or we could have told them straight away, said, look, love to tell you, but it's not going to work. Okay. Um, so being blunt, you know, don't go and buy it, or you can't buy at that level. And and, and, and typical example of that might be um, a lot of people don't always appreciate the full extent of the cost involved in buying a property in Spain. So it's not just obviously the deposit required for the mortgage, but of course there are a number of other costs. So um, property purchase tax if it's a resale property or IVA if it's a new build um, 
obviously legal fees, notary fees, mortgage arrangement fees, mortgage valuation fees, the list goes on. Um, and so sometimes they might say, I've got this amount of money, okay, but I want to buy at this level. Well, they haven't got enough money to cover all of the costs. So we might say to them, you may want to buy this, but unless you can find some more uh, money to put down as a deposit and obviously to cover all the costs, you really need to, to trim your budget back down. So again, that's another benefit of speaking to somebody like ourselves, first of all, so that you have that, uh, again, you know that what you're looking at property-wise is is going to be affordable, going to be something that you can cover the cost for, and obviously that you can get the mortgage agreed for that level. Of course, that's that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I love that you started touching on costs because that was my next question for you. So what? what are some of the... <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Robin? I thought I'd get one ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're well prepared. Um, so what are some of the costs that a buyer can expect, um, okay. particularly when they are taking out a mortgage? Yeah. And then um, what kind of overall percentage should they plan to reserve within their cash, sure. the cash part of their budget? Okay, so I've touched upon the, the typical cost. So obviously property purchase tax, if it's a resale property um, or IVA, if it's a new build, also stamp duty on top of that if it's a new build. Um, but just touch upon the property purchase tax. This again, isn't always known by buyers, but um, the regions in Spain are autonomous. So basically they set their own property purchase tax. So again, uh, if I use um, two particular regions where we get a lot of clients who are looking to buy in those areas because they tend to be very popular with overseas buyers. Um, one is called the Alicante region. The other one is the Murcia region just south. Now, if you purchase a, a resale property in the Alicante region, your property purchase tax is 10% of the purchase price. If you drive south towards Murcia, it's 8%. And again, each region in Spain does have their own property purchase tax. So always, always, always find out what that cost is because, you know, again, it might be you've worked. And, and again, agents will say, oh, yeah, budget around 10%. And tell you, fact, if you're taking a mortgage, it will always be more. Um, for example, if you're buying the Alicante region, straight away, it's 10%. Um, obviously, legal fees that you will be charged. There's no tree fees where obviously you sign for the property. Um, relevant to the mortgage, you tend to have two costs, okay? The first one will be a valuation fee. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned earlier, um, they will require an independent valuation company to visit the property. They will charge a fee, which tends to be based on the value of the property. So obviously, the more expensive the property, the more they will charge you. Um, typical cost would be four or 500 euros is fairly average. But as I say, if it's a more expensive property, you can budget more than that uh, or need to. Um, the other one is the lender would typically, not always, again, because I have to be generalised here, um, will charge an arrangement fee, typically between 1% to 2% of the amount that you borrow. So keep it simple. If you borrow 100000 you can look to budget between 1% to 2000 which is the lender's arrangement fee. Okay. They tend to be the cost that you will physically have to pay. There are additional costs that the lender has to pay, but that doesn't concern you because you won't physically have to pay those. So you need to budget. Typically, if I take a, a, a normal region, we, as a rough guide, we work on around 12% of the purchase price to cover uh, on a resale property, um, the purchase tax, legal fees, notary fees, mortgage valuation fees, and lender's arrangement fee. It's a rough guide. It's not exact science. And obviously, we'd always advise you to get a, an exact breakdown from any solicitor at your point. Um, who will go through all of the costs on the legal side. Um, we will obviously go through all the costs on the mortgage side because that's our, our remit, if you like.
So again, region to region, that will vary. Uh, and again, if you're buying a new build, it will be more expensive again. So just find that information out before you go uh, uh, and sign for any reservation agreement, if you like. Yep, great. That that makes a lot of sense. And and yeah, that's a good uh, a good watch out if for anyone who's planning to buy with a mortgage specifically budget. It sounds like a minimum ten percent over your purchase price just to have extra to cover all the taxes really, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Well, you briefly mentioned it, but I'd like to ask you a little bit about um, new build. Sure. So, um, well, there there might be a small group of people that are maybe interested in in purchasing land and building on it. Are yeah. loans available to do that in Spain? Yeah, yeah. Very simply, they're called a, uh, what we call a construction mortgage. Uh, so, in essence, what you have to do is, if you're buying a, a piece of land becomes available, you pay for the land in cash. You can't get finance on land, um, so you can then. Um, obviously, if you're going to do what I would call a self-build, so you're going to build a, a, a villa um, to your specifications, ultimately. A lot of people like it. Um, and very simply, what will happen is a lender will essentially lend you a certain percentage of the construction costs of that of that build. Um, they will tend to release it on what I call a stage payment basis. Okay. Now, the advantage of that is... Um, Let's let's say for argument's sake, you, it was going to cost you two hundred thousand euros to, to build that pro- that property, and you said I would like to borrow say one hundred and forty against that. Well, clearly you don't want one hundred and forty thousand released straight away because of course you'd be paying interest on it from day one. So they release it on a, what we call a stage payment basis. So as certain uh, as the construction gets to certain levels, um, obviously the architect who's normally supervising the project will, if you like, sign it off. Um, and then the bank can then release that tranche of funds so you then get on to the next phase. So it's it's doable. Not many products in the market, not many lenders offer this type of product, but there are lenders in the market that do, um, and that's a general guide. So, But you have to purchase the land outright first. Then, uh, as I say, the construction mortgage is, is the route um, to go down, um, and it just works. I'd say not everybody does it. So don't think you can do that on a, if you buy on, on a, res, a development, for example, because of course you won't own the land. So if you buy on a development where the builder's building X amount of villas, okay, you can't do it on that because of course the, the, the developer is of course building that property. So it's only one that you're going to do it, what I would call a self-build, purchase the land in cash, and then as I say, construction mortgage to, to find, finance part of the works. Okay. Great. That that makes a lot of sense. That's for for those who are willing to take on a project like that. Sure. To me, that sounds like a huge undertaking. Well, <laughs> yeah, particularly where construction costs, obviously, materials obviously going uh, up through the roof at this moment in time. So it's again difficult one yeah. to budget. What you what you what was a, a construction cost a year ago? Generally speaking, is going to be a bit more uh, today. Yeah, of course. So. Let's dive in a little bit to sort of mortgage specific. So where I'm from, and, and I think a lot of Americans will relate to this, yeah. you know, the 30 the year fixed rate is kind of the standard product. Cool. Some people go for a 15 to get, you know, pay off a little bit sooner. Yeah. What is sort of the, the term and the, the product all around that, that you can expect to find? Cool. Okay. Again, I'll generalize it because our exception, but most lenders will offer you what's called a variable rate mortgage. Okay, so that will be linked to what is normally, again, some lenders do it slightly differently, but it's normally linked to what we call the 12-month Eurobor rate. So the 12-month Eurobor rate is not 
first of all, a Spanish rate. So if you're uh, taking a mortgage in France, Italy, Portugal, for example, lenders will link it to the Euribor rate. So basically how it works is fairly straightforward. The Euribor rate is obviously set uh, on the date that you complete. And then a lender will typically charge you a certain percentage over and above that. So if a lender says, okay, whatever the 12-month Euribor rate is, we would charge you, say, 2% over and above that. Okay, so let's say the rate at this moment in time is is a shade over 2.5% as, as we talk here. So 2.5%, you add your 2% to that, you would then your pay rate would then be 4.5. You then have a mortgage anniversary. So let's say you, you completed on the purchase of your property today. Uh, 12 months time, of course, will be your mortgage anniversary. And let's say in 12 months time, the Eurobor rate was 2.6. Put your 2% on top of that. For the next 12 months, you'll pay 4.6. So the guarantee you've got is you're always going to be above uh, the 12-month Eurobor rate on that example by 2%. Of course, what we don't know is each year what the 12-month Eurobor rate is going to be. Um, so that's the product which the vast majority of banks will offer to non-EU clients. And I must stress that. Um, there are a couple of lenders that will offer fixed rate mortgages for clients who are non-EU. Um, and they do tend to be for the life of the mortgage. Not always, but most of them tend to be for the life. So if, as you use in your example, you took a 15-year mortgage term, you would get a 15-year fixed rate. So you know exactly where you are, you can budget. Um, as we speak today, of course, there is a lot of volatility in the, in the money market. So a lot of lenders have sort of pulled these products, if you like, or withdrawn them uh, temporarily, or because they're very difficult for them to price at this moment in time. Um, but in the normal market, it's fair to say that um, certain lenders will offer you a fixed rate and that fixed rate will be fixed for the term. Um, but as I say, that normally only applies to EU clients, but there are certain lenders that will offer those to non-EU clients as well. Um, so again, from your perspective, if that's something your client wants uh, and, and in, insistent on, if you like, again, we would know which lenders we could go to that offer that type of product. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So again, really depends on where you're coming from, from an income perspective. Yeah. But then, um, it, and then with these, with the variable rates, what was the, what's the terms? Are they typically 15 or 20? Or do you have, are 30 year offered? It depends on a number of factors. First one is the age of the applicant. Okay, so for example, um, certain lenders may require the mortgage to be paid off by the time the eldest applicant hits a certain age. So if, for example, I've got a 55-year-old uh, client who um, is looking to take a property into with a certain lender, they may require the mortgage to be paid off at age 70, for example, we'll get a 15-year term. Conversely, it might be another lender we can go to goes to age 75, um, therefore he could get a 20-year term. So it just depends on the lender um, and depends on the age. Conversely, if I've got a 40-year-old client and they want them to keep the repayments down to minimum. Certain lenders may, for example, do a 30-year term. Um, so, you know, it just depends on the age of the client and the requirements of the bank. Certain banks will do a maximum term irrespective of the client's age. So some some banks, for example, say maximum term we do is 20 years. So, you know, if it's 40 or if you're 50, you know, it doesn't actually matter. Their maximum term is 20. So, again, depends on the profile of the client and depends on the bank. Uh, and they're obviously uh, their bank's policy with regards to paying off the mortgage in a certain time frame. That's interesting. 
Um, it, do, do any lenders in Spain require the borrower to take out life insurance? Okay, here's a really good one. You'll like this one. Okay, um, they passed a law a few years ago now, uh, which basically states that the lender cannot insist that you take their insurance. Okay, so for example, there's various insurance products. So life insurance is obviously one of the common ones. Home insurance would be another one that people might um, want to consider, etc., etc. Now, what you will find is that certain lenders will give you a rate of interest, but that will be subject to you taking additional products with them. So they can't make it compulsory. So they basically say, okay, well, that's fine. If you don't want the product, that's absolutely fine. However, the interest rate we're going to charge you will be considerably higher. Okay. So if I use one example that I can think of this precise moment in time, but one particular bank will give you a discount of 1% um, the life of the, that you keep the policy for taking out a life insurance policy with them and an additional 0.35% for taking home insurance. So it's a 1.35% discount, which can be quite sizable. If you choose not to take that, they're still going to give you the money, but you'll lose those discounts. And that's basically how the lenders, being lenders, are um, creative, shall we say, with the way that they interpret the, um, the rules. So that's a general guide, that, that, and they're the most common ones that lenders will use. So um, say not compulsory, however, um, just be mindful that the rate may not be as keen if you don't take their product. And again, we'll very simply look at the, the cost of that and say, look, there'd be certain cases actually is beneficial to the client. Um, so that would typically be for a, a younger applicant um, because of course the cost for particularly life insurance will be less expensive. Conversely, if you've got somebody who's a bit later in years, the cost of that can be quite prohibitive. And therefore, any saving they're making, if you like, by having that reduction on the interest rate is more than swallowed up by the, the insurance premiums. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a full analysis and say that, in our opinion, it's better for you not to take it. Appreciate the monthly repayments will be a bit higher. However, um, we can't justify you take that product because it's frankly uh, too expensive. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting. Because mm. I've heard about that in, in the States. Uh, that's not even really part of the conversation of no. uh, obtaining a mortgage usually. But no. I've heard that from a different groups of people who purchased homes in Europe and, yeah. and they had to take out the life insurance or they were highly incentivized to take out the life insurance. Highly incentivized. I mean, yeah, in the old days, they, it was very, they were very blunt prior to the, uh, the, uh, the, the law that came in. Um, it was, yeah, if you want this mortgage, you're going to have to take those products. And because it's not being unkind, you didn't know anything better. You, you took them uh, and people were um, not particularly well looked after, shall we say, politely. Hmm. Of course. All right. So um, let's, let's, let's kind of uh, walk through, kind of summarize this buyer that we've kind of been uh, talking about a little bit. Sure. So let's assume they, they do everything right. They call you first. Yep. <laughs> they get kind of like this pre-approval and they understand how much money they have to afford. They find their dream home and uh, they make an offer and it's accepted. How long does the mortgage process then take to actually obtain the funds and close on the house? Yeah, again, depends on the uh, lender because obviously each lender uh, has different processing times. It also depends on the time of year. Um, to quantify that, for example, if you're looking at trying to get some finance in August, if anybody knows anything about Spain in August, not a great deal happens, okay? So we have inherent problems uh, or banks have inherent problems of Yes, they tend to have a, a, a very much of a skeleton staff in the month of August. So, um, but in a normal time, 
And this again comes back to that point. If you've got the agreement in principle, the lender is already happy with you. They've already approved you. So the only thing they may require, depending on how long it, it's been since they've given you that approval, um, may be updated documents. So for example, if uh, we're here today uh, and you might have got the approval three months before, they say, okay, we, well, we need three months uh, bank statements, we need an updated credit report, and if you're employed, we'll need three more pay slips, just to see that your situation hasn't changed. So obviously your income hasn't dropped, and you haven't taken on any additional credit commitments. So let's take all that, and it's all been fine, and that's it. Next step is evaluation of the property. Value visits the property, says, yeah, everything's fine. Typically, three to four days later, you will get that valuation report back at the bank. Um, that will then need to be signed off and, and obviously assessed to make sure they're happy to lend on that property. Assuming that's all okay, then the full mortgage offer can be issued. Um, Rough guide at this moment in time, I would typically say about three to four weeks from, from start to finish would be realistic. I can assure you there's a lot of uh, clients that fall outside of that time frame, um, often because it might be the bank has issues because, frankly, they've got too much uh, business coming in and they, they can't cope with the volume. Or it may be that they've requested updated documents and the clients are quite slow at getting update, updated information to us. So assuming that, you know, if we request updated documents today and the client gets them back to us tomorrow, there's no delays. So, um, but typically three to four weeks. Um, at that stage, the mortgage offer is then issued, um, goes to the solicitor acting on behalf of, of the buyer. Um, and they will then have to forward that to the notary, okay, um, where you're going to sign for the property. And there has to be at least a 10 working day, or sorry, 10 days before you can actually sign for the property. So that's what I would call a cooling off period, okay? So uh, that again was part of the law which changed a few years ago. Um, so if, for example, mortgage offer was issued today then and the notary received that today, then you've got to allow, again, at least 10 days before you can physically sign and complete on the property. Um, the documentation, of course, uh, will all be in Spanish because for it to be a legal document it has to be in Spanish. So again, what we normally advise, particularly if your clients uh, are not particularly conversant in Spanish or um, that you work with a solicitor that can speak in their language, whether that's, you know, German, uh, Scandinavian, British, American, whatever it might be. Um, that's really very key so that, um, you know, they will obviously have to explain that information um, because, uh, you know, and quite often, uh, solicitors are often given what we call power of attorney. So to save your client, keep flying over to, to, to Spain to sign documents, for example, they will be given power of attorney by the, the client. So they will actually be signing for that mortgage on the client's behalf. Clearly, it's very important the client knows what the solicitor is signed on their behalf. So they will go through everything with, with the, uh, the client to make sure they're happy and it says they understood it. Um, clearly, we will um, put that in English and we'll summarise the, the salient points, if you like. But again, you know, we, we don't physically sign for the mortgage on the client's behalf. That's down to their solicitor. Again, you don't have to do that, but most clients tend to mm -hmm. go down that road. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just for anyone listening, uh, we also have another episode where we interview a real estate lawyer okay. kind of talking about that specific uh, Brilliant. Okay. topic. We can go into detail about sure. that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plenty of detail out there. And, and But you're right. It's really important to have everything translated into your language and Definitely. have someone you can trust on your team to yep. sign those documents for mm -hmm. you because it, it is a big decision. Yeah, definitely. So. 
Great, Rob. Well, I think we covered a ton of ground. Um, this was an in incredible overview of this entire process, which I think for a lot of people is sort of like hidden behind a veil. And I think you've done a great job, you know, moving that and providing a lot of clarity. So Good. thank you. Um, before we go, are there, are there any last, you know, tips or something maybe from your experience and all the years of working with different buyers? You know, is there anything you'd want to leave with uh, like a first time home buyer in Spain? Yeah, I think, again, the key thing I would always say to people um, is know the area because Spain's a vast country and you touch upon, you know, an area in Spain you particularly like. And people often ask me, where would you buy? And there's a very straightforward answer to that. Uh, where I want to buy might be completely and utterly different from where you want to buy. Some people like um, something a little bit more uh, Spanish. I know it sounds strange because you buy it in Spain, but some which has a more uh, traditional Spanish feel. Some people prefer to be in an area where there's quite a large expat community. Um, so I think the key thing is, you know, look at the areas, first of all, because those areas across Spain vary dramatically. So from one area to another, one region to another, the areas, you know, you've got to find an area that feels good to you. And it might be that you find these wonderful properties, but actually you don't like the area. So um, so it might well be that you go down the coast and think, yeah, you know, if I could have picked this up and put it down there, yes, I would buy it. Um, obviously, establish your, your sort of budget is really key because, again, there's quite a lot of variation in property prices. So if you go down to, uh, for argument's sake, um, Andalusia, down to Malaga, Marbella, around that sort of area, that tends to be very, very expensive. Um, so you might need to come up coast to places like the Costa Blanca, which is Alicante region, um, where prices tend to be a bit more affordable. Um, and again, even in that region, yeah, if you go to Costa Blanca North, that would be more expensive than Costa Blanca South. So again, get fill an area that's right for you. Um, they will probably be the most important things. But just do your due diligence, you know, do, do your research, um, you know, establish, you know, if you're going to buy on, for example, a resort, typically a golf resort, which is quite common in Spain, establish what those fees are, because there will be community fees, because you've obviously got to maintain the golf course, um, the communal grounds, swimming pools etc etc so again that can be quite expensive and if you're working on your budgets you might say oh great yeah, this is going to cost me x per month on the mortgage but then there could also be a community charge uh, or more often not will be so establish what those additional costs might be so that when you're crunching your numbers you know the numbers actually work for you um but i'd say that's really the best advice i give just get to know the area and then once you've chosen the area within that area try and find the areas that you really like um so once you've done that um that's really the time you know so do a lot of work you can use the internet but the internet you know is great but it doesn't obviously give you a true reflection best thing you can do is actually get on the ground get out there and get a feel for the area yourself once you've done that as i say uh, and and you feel the area is right for you you know that you wish to buy in then just go for it but just get the you know pieces of jigsaw in place first you know, by all means, speak to a solicitor about, you know, obtaining, you know, legal documents, NIEs, uh, which obviously, you know, um, somebody you feel comfortable with who will speak in your language. Um, obviously, get a mortgage agreed if you're taking finance. Again, because as we already touched upon, you don't want to get in a situation where you found the property and obviously um, you then find out you can't get the money. So, you know, fairly basic stuff. Nothing, nothing, uh, you know, not going to break any, uh, you know, any sort of... Uh, Fantastic. Oh, wow, Rob, I never thought that before. But, you know, it's just common sense, really, a lot of it. 
Don't leave your brains yeah, on the plane, well. as somebody once said to me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more, though, with this advice, Rob. It, it's true. A lot of it does come down to common sense. But, you know, when you're doing something like like moving, you know, across an ocean or or even just, you know, o- over the English Channel or something, you know, a much shorter distance or or down it. It, it can get exciting and emotional and you, you can start making decisions that you never would have made back in your home country. Exactly that. So exactly. Seen it too many times. To, yeah. Yeah, right? Exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode. really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about getting a mortgage in Spain, you can visit the mhigroup.com. Please like this video or rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. Ciao.